Well, turn in your Bible this morning to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2. <clears throat> now, that might be where your pages stick together a little bit. Habakkuk, chapter 2. I have to find it myself. Go back from Malachi, go back a few books, and you'll find Habakkuk. Or some people say Habakkuk. <clears throat> and let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day. We thank you this is the day you've made. We will rejoice and be glad. And Father, today as we study your word, we thank you for giving us wisdom and direction in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we purpose to be not just hearers, but doers of the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Habakkuk chapter 2, in verse 2, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. So notice here, the Lord answered the prophet, he said, the vision, well, actually go back to verse 2. Write the vision and make it plain upon tables. So write the vision, make it plain, that he may run that readeth it. Other translations say this, that he may read it on the run. You know, we eat on the run, we talk on the run. We need to be able to read the vision on the run. The, the vision should be so plain that it doesn't take someone... Like a, It doesn't take a lawyer to interpret it for you. It's easy. You see it. This is what I do. This is who we are. And so every believer needs to have that kind of vision for their life. Every church needs to have that for their, for their um, church and for their ministry. Can you say amen? And you know, this is the greatest day to be alive. I, I wouldn't trade it for any other time. The Bible talks about how the prophets... You know, people say, well, man, if I could just been with Elijah, if I could have been with Jesus. But the Bible says that the prophets would give anything. They're, they're actually jealous of, of, man, if I could have just could be right there in, in 2023. But I mean, a lot of times we don't see it like that. But the Bible talks about how the angels desire to look into the things that of redemption you know, people say, well, you know, that person, they died and they became an angel. You know, that, that would be actually a, a demotion. When you read the Bible, the Bible says that he's made us a little bit lower, King James says, than the angels. That actually is the word Elohim. He's made us a little bit, we're in a class above the angels. Why? Because we, we actually have been redeemed. See, angels don't know what it's like to be redeemed. But see, I know what it's like to be redeemed. I know what it's like to, to be in sin and have a Savior. I know what it's like to be in sin and have the Redeemer come to my life. Can you say amen? amen? And so this, I want you to understand that today that you are handpicked of the Lord. You know, the Bible says that many are called, few are chosen. And when you study that out, you understand that Many people are called, but few respond. What, what makes the few that are called be chosen? It's because they chose to show up. You know, they, they decided, hey, I'm not, I'm not too busy for the things of God. I'm going to show up. You know who usually gets used? The people that show up. Not the people that don't. You know, I, I've seen it in churches before, all through my years walking with the Lord. You have the same people that show up all the time. Hey, can I help? Can I help you do this? Can I help do that? Even if they're not qualified. You know, you can always teach someone that, that has an open heart and wants to learn. 
But that's what God's looking for this year is a willingness in our heart, a willingness to serve whatever he wants us to do. We always pray those prayers. Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Ever had that happen before? I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be what you want me to be. Not my will, but thine be done. Hallelujah. And so that's who God wants to use is people that are willing. Hallelujah. And so as you know, we've, we've announced this for a few weeks that at the beginning of this year, we're going to set aside time as a time of consecration. I believe it's great because um, what better way than to consecrate yourself at the beginning of something than waiting till the end and, well, you know, or halfway through the year. But we announced that we're going to do seven days of fasting and prayer for those that would join us, for those that would say, I'm going to, be, I'm going to do that. And so, you know, when it comes to fasting and prayer, the same thing. We have to be very specific with the Lord. Lord, I'm believing you for this this year. And so I even mentioned, write some things down. And if you haven't, write some things down this week. Lord, this is what I'm believing you for this year. How many think it's good to, to aim for something? Lord, this is, it's like people years ago, um, Brother Hagan said he used to do these, these um, polls. And he said, no one knew I was doing a poll but I would do these polls and check and see people at the altar. Hey, what are you praying for? Well, well, nothing really in particular. He said, well, that's what you're going to get, nothing in particular. <laughs> but now we know there's a kind of praying where we just fellowship with God, and that, that's good. But if you don't have anywhere that you're shooting for, you'll never get there. And so... You know, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to fasting, just like we started our, our service this morning, all prayer that we have should always be sandwiched with thanksgiving. You know, when we, when we come into God's presence, we don't just say, well, Lord, my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. You know, Lord, bless us, me, my wife, us four, no more. When we come into God's presence, we, we come with thanksgiving. We, we enter into to his courts with praise. Father, we thank you today for, you know, and that's the way our prayer life should be too. Now, Lord, I don't really have much time, so I'm going to get this real, be real quick about it. No, you're coming with the wrong heart. Father, I just bless you today. I thank you right now for all that you've done to, for me, all that you are, and you begin to worship it. Then you bring your request. Isn't that what Philippians says? It says, with thanksgiving, you bring your request and make them known unto God. Amen. So I'm believing God for specific things this year. Amen. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about this this morning, the power of prayer and fasting. The power of prayer and fasting. I can see how excited everyone is. Everyone's just taking it in. I understand that. But I want you to expect to see expedited prayers, answers to your prayers this year and during this time. See, quick answers are what God promised when his people engage in the fast that he has chosen. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 58. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 58. Let's look in verse 5. The Bible says, Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. So this is what we believe God for in every fast. 
I don't care if you're just talking about, Lord, I'm just going to take one meal. Lord, I'm going to take one day. I'm going to take three days. Now, as, as we told you, we're not talking about a dry fast where you have no water or no food. We're not talking about even necessarily just a, a liquid fast. What we've set out is saying six to six. Who's ever just got real busy and you, you forget to eat all day? Or, you know, so it's, this is very doable. So if you want to eat at 5.30 in the morning, 6 to 6. And then if you want to eat afterwards, then, then that's, that's totally up to you. But the thing he says here in this fast is the, the fast that God has chosen is to loose the bands of wickedness. So I, as I said before, I believe that this is a time where even things that have plagued people, that they'll begin to fade away that they'll be broken off your life. Amen. To undo the heavy burden, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Verse 8. Then shall thy light break forth, As the morning. So you can expect for God to speak to you. You can expect to get light and revelation from God's word. As you set it aside. Now as we've said before. Fasting and prayer is not about. Now we know it's, it's making your body submit. We know that. But it's not about how, how you can make your. How hard you can make your flesh cry. Because the, the main focus is not that. The main focus is actually praying and reading the Bible. It's just, it gives you that time. When you're fasting, you're pulling away and you're saying, I'm going to spend this time in prayer. I'm going to spend this time in reading the word of God. Amen. You know, there's, there's always been groups of people that have believed in punishing the body. And we're not talking about just punishing your body for, for that sake. But how many know sometimes if, you know, sometimes you can eat and two hours later, you're not really hungry, but you just want something. <laughs> that doesn't mean you're hungry, though, does it? And so what we're dealing with, we're just dealing with the appetites of the flesh. And as we begin to, to crucify the flesh in one area, it helps us in other areas. You know, the Bible says that the tongue is the most unruly member of your body. But if you learn to get a hold of your tongue and what you, the words that you say, the Bible says that you can even turn your whole body. But, you know, a lot of times we don't really believe that as a whole. I believe it because I know that's what the Bible says and I've seen it work. But you can turn your whole body with your mouth. The power of life, life and death, the power of life and death are in the tongue. So whatever you say, if you, if, if you don't like the way your life is going, where's the first place you should look? Right here. What have I been saying? One minister said like this, you are today right where you are now from the words that you spoke yesterday. And so as you begin to change your words, you change your whole body. So that's, if you can control that, you can control your body. But the same way with fasting. I mean, there's nothing more basic to man's desire than eating. I mean, you can do without other things. I mean, you can do without drugs. You can do without pornography. You can do without alcohol. You can do without all kinds of things, but you have to eat. So as you begin to control the most basic of these things and the strongest desire, then it helps you control all these other desires in life. See where I'm saying? So he says here that your light shall break forth as the morning and your health shall spring forth speedily. I believe that this year your health will spring forth speedily. Who needs their health to spring forth a little bit? Amen. I think we all need a quickening from time to time. And so he says, 
is going to spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. And so when we talk about fasting, fasting helps us to have, I know it's a bad word, but it's, it's uh, actually a fruit of the spirit that we call temperance, self-control. Self-control keeps our life in divine order rather than descending into chaos. And so we know that our, we have a spirit nature, but there's also a, a nature, this body. How, how many know this body hasn't been born again? Just pinch your neighbor and, and see. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a couple of owls just then. But see, this, this, this flesh has not been redeemed. That's why Paul said, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should also be a castaway. You know what other translations say? Disapproved. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be disapproved. Because, you know, have you ever seen a race, like a marathon? And this has happened more than one time, you know. They'll, they'll have a marathon and at the end, towards the end of a race, some guy comes out of the crowd and he starts running. And of course, he's all full of energy and he finishes and then they figure out, hey, who is this imposter? Well, you know, Paul said that. He said, you know, if you don't follow the rules, you'll be disqualified. And so you, if we allow our body to control us, then we'll be disapproved. Amen. And so all fasting does is just help us to, to pull things into check. And say, so, you know, I'm going to do this out of my own will and volition. It's like this. Fasting is good for humbling yourself. Don't wait for something to humble you. Don't wait for people say, well, you know, uh, God's, I want God to humble me. You don't want God to humble you. He would have to humiliate you. You want to humble yourself all through life. Take time to humble yourself. And so your carnal nature has desires that are not only contrary to God's desires, but it will end in disorder unless you take control. So I want you to look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, and as we read this, I want to give you four appetites that we have to deal with. Now this is not just during the fast. This is throughout life until you breathe your last breath. There's four appetites that we have to deal with. 1 John chapter 2. And let's look in verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, as we've said before, he's not talking about the earth. He's talking about the world system. The Bible says that Satan is the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. So when he's talking about the world that's devoid of God, don't love that. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes, passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So everything that we see here on this earth will fade. The Bible tells us in Peter that everything will melt with fervent heat. Amen. So when I set my heart and my affection to the kingdom of God, we're talking about a kingdom that shall know no end. We're talking about a kingdom that will be here forever. But the kingdoms of this world the Bible says we'll become the kingdom of our God. So everything down here, as we said, is like a gallon of milk. It has an expiration date. <laughs> so he says here, don't love the world. And then he goes on to say the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. So I want to give you four appetites that we have to deal with. Number one, 
desires of the flesh. As he says here, it's the lust of the flesh. So we'll just say desires of the flesh. How many know you have to deal with the flesh? You know, one, one guy, he came to a minister. He said, you know, he, he came to him in tears. He said, just do me a favor. I want you to pray for me. He said, okay, pray for me that the devil would leave me alone. He said, okay, Lord, kill him now. Because, you know, the only time that you won't have problems with the devil is when you step out of this body. Now, if you crucify the flesh and renew your mind, that, that's the great, people talk about spiritual warfare, but the great majority of spiritual warfare will be accomplished when you renew your mind thoroughly with the, what the Word of God says and you present your body a living sacrifice. Why? Because you don't give the enemy anything to work with. It's like this. Imagine like this pulpit here. If this, like plexiglass, if you had a big plexiglass across here, it'd be like the enemy's on the other side and he can't get in. Because if no one would yield to him, it'd be like there's no devil. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 4.27, neither give place to the devil. Amen. So I don't want to give the devil any place in me. At all. So, Number one, appetite we have to deal with is desires of the flesh. As you begin to fast and pray, it weakens the flesh and its desires. Fasting and prayer give you victory over the flesh and put it into submission. So I want to read that verse again. I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. As we said, we don't want to be disapproved from what God's called us to. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24 says this, Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. You know, with what a lot of people do in the name of spiritual warfare, they might as well just be beating the air. But Paul says this in verse 27, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. So notice the great Apostle Paul, a, a man of, that God used to write two-thirds of the New Testament, he said that if I don't control my body, I could become a castaway. I could become disapproved from what God's called me to. That, what does that mean? That means I don't win. That means I don't finish my race. That means I, got, I forfeited what God had for me. It doesn't mean God wouldn't, wouldn't forgive us. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. But there's certain things that, you know, just like on the job. What if you, you, you know, your boss would probably forgive you if you hit him. He might hit you back. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that he, he's going to keep you around, though, probably. So, see, God can forgive you. And, and, but here's a, a lot of times people won't forget. So that's why we just want to do like he says here and keep under our body. And notice he says, I. Who's, who's the I in that sentence? That's the inward man. That's the man who's on the action. The Greek this out, I beat it black and blue. And so when it comes to you and, and your life, you have to be rough with yourself. You know, a lot of times the people flip that around though. You know, they're, they're real kind to themselves and they they are real strong with other people. <laughs> but you need to flip that around. Be real strong with yourself. Flesh, you're going to do this. You're going to pray when I tell you to pray. And like I said, this is all through your life. You don't stop dealing with your flesh when, you, oh, thank God I'm, you know, done with the fast. I never have to deal with my flesh again. No, you, you have to deal with your flesh all the time. Flesh, you, you're going to do what I tell you when I say. You're going to pray when I tell you to pray. You're going to... Uh, you're going to fast when I tell you to fast. You don't do anything unless I tell you. You understand? And you have to get to that place where you just, you tell your body, this is what we're going to do. 
I don't care if you, if you got in bed late, you're gonna worship God this morning. Amen. I know I get a little animated sometimes on Sunday morning, but you know, when it's, it's time to come in, we're, we're gonna lift hands. The Bible says lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. You know, I understand the doubting part, but I've always wondered about that, without wrath. Because people get mad. Lift up your hands. I'm not lifting my hands. Praise the Lord, I'm not doing that. You know, people, just, just because you said it, they won't do it. <laughs> just like, like kids do. So number one, desires of the flesh. Number two, desire of the eyes. The desire of the eyes. Do you know the Bible says that the eyes of man are never satisfied? What does that mean? You can look at something for 12 hours and the flesh says, I want to see more. You know, you could, you could and I'm not even talking about anything bad, but you could search up something. You could search up a thousand hits on something and, and, and the flesh says, and the eyes say, I want to see more. I want more. The, the eyes of man are never satisfied. You see, one thing you have to understand, that's actually the whole nature of the flesh. It, it took one drink, now it takes two. Now it takes four. It, it took one, one joint, now it takes two joints. That, that's just the nature of the flesh. It took one movie, now it takes 20. It takes, you know, this thrill or that thrill. And there's, there's nothing wrong with entertainment, so long as it's wholesome, but our, our life, the flesh can never be satisfied. And so you just have to realize, you know, just... Not one piece of, just give me the whole pie. Not, not one piece of the pizza, give me the whole pizza. The, the, the flesh can never be satisfied. So it is with the eyes. And so that's why Proverbs 4 tells us this. I was going to quote it, but I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 4. He says, in verse 23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. See, everything comes out of our heart. That's why we want our heart to be in control, the spirit man to be in control, to control the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. If you think about it, what did the enemy get Satan? What did Satan, who he was Lucifer at the time, what did he get Adam and Eve with? Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Hey, if you fall down and worship me. What did he try to get Jesus with? See, that worked all through eternity till he got to Jesus. And Jesus said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. He tried to get him through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. And then with the pride of life. If you fall down and worship me, I'm going to give you all this, these kingdoms. <clears throat> Jesus said, it is written again. You shall worship the Lord your God, him only shall you serve. So the, the desires of the eyes are something we control. And so, you know, and you know your own self. You, you know in your own life things that will try to pull on you. I know people don't like talking about these things, but you need to talk about it because there, there's sometimes people act like temptation. Well, you know, it's, they want to deny it but they know that they're being pulled. If you're being pulled in an area, you need to go the other direction. Amen. I'll just use it on, in this instance. You can fill in the blank for any other area of life. But I've said this before. It's easier to pass the grocery store than it is the cookie aisle. Why? Because once you're in the store, man, I got to go over the cookie aisle. It's easier to pass the cookie aisle than it is your cupboard. And so you just have to know your own self. Hey, I don't need to be around this right now. Hey, I don't need to be around this. You know, people have been delivered from all kinds of things. You know, when people get delivered from alcohol, they don't need to go by the nearest, even, if, you know, you know your flesh. You say, you know what? I don't even need to be around that neighborhood. I don't even need to be going by that store. 
I need to go the other direction. Well, it's three more miles. What is three miles in you being free and staying free? And so the desires of the eyes, we all know that there's a thousand and one things that we don't need to look at. What's the enemy say? Look at this. Hey, look at this tree. This tree over here, well, God said that we can't have that tree. Yeah, but look at it. And what does he appeal to? The eyes. And he says, you know, isn't, isn't that a beautiful fruit? You never had such a beautiful fruit as this. And, and you know, when you, you know that, that if you have this, you'll be just like him. Well, they already were in the same class as God. So that's what happens is, is the enemy wants to appeal to our eyes. So what do we do? We control the lust of the flesh. We control the lust of the eyes. Amen. And, and even as a point of consecration, Lord, I, my eyes belong to you to see your glory. Lord, my ears hear and, and listen to, to you. I mean, all of our members belong to him. And we have to consecrate them as such. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And then number three, the pride of life. The pride of life. Do you think this still is a deal today? <laughs> I mean, really and truly, we could, we could list this one first because what is it that caused Lucifer to become the devil? What is it that, that caused rebellion in heaven? His pride. If you read Ezekiel, the Bible talks about that he was lifted up because of his beauty. And what he said was this, I'm going to be like the most high God. I'm going to ascend. I'm going to do this. We have five different eyes that, that Satan said he was going to do. But then God responded and said, I'm going to cast you out. Cast you to the side of the pit. And the Bible says that Jesus, even talking to the disciples, said this, I beheld Satan fall as lightning. Why was that? Because of pride. So one of the things that we really have to, to guard against every day of our life is this insidious thing called pride because it's the actual very nature of the devil himself. When, when Adam and Eve fell, he breathed this stuff into them. The enemy did, this pride. And so pride is actually, the big problem about pride is it's the nature of your flesh. How many brought your flesh with you today? Well, see, you're always going to have to deal with that. Well, no, I got, I, brother, I got delivered from pride. Everyone has pride to deal with. Either that or you just yield to it. <laughs> I had a, an instructor in Bible school, and he, um, he taught this one class called Submission and Authority. You even say those two words and people... It, it, People cringe when you say that because they've heard such wrong teaching. But one of the things he talked about was pride and humility. And um, his first name was Keith. And so he said, people would come to him all the time and say, you know, Brother Keith, ever since I've been taking your class, he said, I've been having all kind of trouble with pride. He said, I never had trouble with pride, but since I started taking your class. He said, you don't have problem with what you yield to. So it's only when you start trying to deal with it that you have trouble with it. Now, it's been causing you a lot of trouble, but when you start dealing with it, see, if you just start yielding to anger, you don't have a problem with anger. You just yield to it. But it's when you resist it, say, I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to respond like that to people. It's only when you start dealing with it. But the book of Proverbs 16, verse 18 says this, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. When you talk about haughtiness, when you talk about pride, you're talking about the devil himself. No one as haughty as he is. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, why don't you turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Everyone doing okay? 
Amen. I know some of these things, it's like eating your spinach and broccoli, but we need all the word. 1 Peter 5 and verse 5 says, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. I believe it's Psalm 138 says this. Though the Lord be high, how many know he's high, he's holy? It says he has respect to the lowly, but the proud he knows afar off. I don't want it to be said of me. Well, yeah, Will, you know, he's, he's, my, he's my son, but I know him afar off because of his pride. That's what he's saying here. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So it doesn't matter if you're his, his child or not. He didn't say that, you know, if you're an unbeliever, he resists you. He said you, you could even be a child of God. He gives grace to the humble. But he resists the proud. Look over in, um, skip back to James, one book back. James 4 and verse 6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Everyone say that. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. So, whose shoulder does humility rest upon? Is God going to humble me? Does someone else humble me? No, I have to humble myself. When you humble yourself, you take, you, you take a, I mean, we could look at other passages, but you take a lower position. In the kingdom of God, to go higher, you have to go low. Him that, he that exalts himself shall be a base, but he that humbles himself the Bible says she'll be exalted. So if we, if we want to humble ourselves, see, that's what fasting does. Fasting is humbling yourself. And actually the psalmist says this. He says that he would humble his soul with fasting. And so anytime that, that you feel like, like you, like one person said, you feel too big for your britches. How many know what I mean? You start feeling like you're important beyond, you're thinking more highly than you ought to think, then you might need to miss a couple meals. Put your nose in the carpet and, and worship God. And see, that's, that's what fasting is. Not just, it's not just a natural thing because fasting in itself is natural. Well, I fasted. Well, did you do anything with it? No, I just got hungry. Yeah, probably hungry and ornery too. And mean as a junkyard dog. But, but what do you do in that time? You humble your soul in fasting. God, you're the great God. I worship you. I, I need you, Father. I, you, you, you spend that time, you humble your soul. Don't let outward things hum, try to humble you. You take the time and humble yourself. Amen. Don't, don't let it, it's the same way. You know, people let tragedies get them close to God. I'm going to be close to God before anything even tries to knock at my door. Amen. That's what takes people out is because they're not ready because they're, they're not in, they're just in a little shallow relationship with the Lord. So throughout scripture, fasting was a method used by God's people to humble themselves. That's why fasting and prayer need to be a regular part of our lives. 
And as we've said before, this is always as the Spirit of God leads you. Maybe you say, I, I just, I feel like I should just take one day and just spend time in praying. You know, you don't have to announce that. You could just spend that time. Just seek the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You don't have to turn there, but Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. In verse 22. Actually, verse 21. She's talking about Herod. It says, And upon a set day Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. So here he was. He gave this great speech. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. How many know this is New Testament? How many know that, that Ananias and Sapphira lying to God, that was New Testament, and they fell down dead? So it said because he didn't give God the glory, he was eat, then he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. You know, there was another time in the book of Acts where the Bible says that Paul and his traveling companion, they made this, um, they were preaching and made this speech, as the Bible says, and they said that these are, are gods. And what's the first thing they did? Said they ripped their clothes, they went and said, men, we are people just like you, we're men just like you are. They humbled themselves. You know, you could, you could look at other things. The Bible talks about a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And he had this dream and where he actually lost the kingdom. And, and it was interpreted to him. And what happened is he actually, for what was it, seven years, he was out there eating grass like an ox. And it said that he had like feathers. The Bible says at the end of this, though, he says that his, he looked up towards heaven. He said his understanding appeared. See, one of the things that pride does is it hardens your mind. It, it has a hardening effect. See, pride will blind you and pride will bind you. It's, a, it's nasty stuff. You know, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, I, I'm not anybody's slave. You know, I, I'm an old man and, and what it is is just pride. It takes, it takes humility to recognize that there's a God that gives me my every breath. It takes humility to say that I'm not in control of my life. It takes humility to say that there's someone else who has a say-so in my life. And so take, take any time to humble yourself. Like I said, when you feel like when people want to give you the credit, you humble yourself. You give God the glory. And so then number four, you'll, you'll really like this one. The desires of the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit. Amen. How many know that your spirit has desires that, that are born of God? If he lives on the inside of you, and as you feed those desires, they grow. See, that's the good news is just like bad desires, how do, how do they get worse? You just feed them. You, you feed the wrong thing, it's going to grow. You feed the right thing, it's going to grow as well. John G. Lake, he said this. He said that if he could impart one quality to the body of Christ, it would be spiritual hunger. And he even had a book on spiritual hunger. But he said, if I could impart one thing to the body of Christ, and he had many miracles happen in his life and ministry, he said, if it would be one thing, it would be spiritual hunger. The Bible tells us in Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall 
be filled. And so filling, being filled with him is based upon our hunger. Not everyone is being filled. Not because God's a respecter of persons, but because not everyone is hungry. And not everyone is thirsty. Amen. I mean, I've, I've been around, I say been around, I've, the first time I was, 1993, around um, my pastor, I've, I've heard him for 30 years talking about being hungry. For some people, it'd be like, okay, okay, we, we've got that. No, you got to get hungry. You got to get hungry. You know, his, uh, one of his associates, Brother Richard Moore, he traveled with him, and he said he was just so hungry, so hungry for God. Here, here Pastor Rodney would be preaching, and he, he'd have an altar call, and, and people that want a touch of God. And there, Brother Richard's in the line. He said, he's supposed to be helping me. And there he is, he's in the line. He said, Brother Richard, you're supposed to help. And so, but he was just so hungry. And he said, I mean, he'd be in 100 services, and he still is like, I haven't been touched. He said, you got to get hungry. He said, I am hungry. He said, you got to get hungry. I got to get hungry. You know, you can look at a lot of people that have succeeded in life. You know what the, the, the element that's different in their life is hunger. I don't care if you're talking about Kobe Bryant shooting free throws. Michael Jordan, I don't care if you're talking about any kind of NASCAR driver. Anyone who's accomplished anything, they had a hunger that someone else didn't have. You can see it in the lives of people. You can see it throughout the Bible. And so one of the paradoxes of the kingdom is this, that unlike natural eating, when you eat spiritually, it makes you even hungrier. When you eat spiritually, it makes you even hungrier. Maybe you realize that even as you begin to read a chapter a day. What, what happens is you're starting to feed something on the inside. Something that's been hungry for years on the inside. That's been starving. Your, your, your inner man has been starving. And you begin to feed that inner man and, and you, something you like it. And what happens, it's just like my, my son. He'll, if, he's, if you tell him something, we're going to go eat this, he'll go... Like that. Well, that's what your spirit does. You start taking in, and your spirit just like takes everything and wants more. Hallelujah. Psalm 119, 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Your words were found and I ate them. Can you eat the word? And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. So when we talk about spiritual hunger, spiritual hunger is something that if you get nothing else today, if you will cultivate a spiritual hunger this year, it'll take you further than anything else. Where you just say, God, I, I want to see you. When we saw Pastor Debbie on, on the video, she talks much about spiritual hunger and going to a new place. And, and you know what? You, you can't really teach that. You have to, it has to be imparted to you. Some things are better felt than telt. As I said, some things, it's like the spirit of faith is caught. It's not just taught. The spirit of prayer is not just taught, it's caught. You either have it or you don't. And so spiritual hunger can be defined as having a strong desire, a craving, or displaying the need for God. Having a strong desire, craving, or a need for God. And that, that's what hunger is. You know, it's just like a meal. Lord, when you say, you know, I need, a, I need a meal. I've been working hard. I need something to eat. Lord, I, I've been, that's why Smith and Wigglesworth, he would always eat a meal that he would push back 
he always had his testament with him. He, he said, okay, we fed the body, now let's feed the spirit. Because that was real to him. There was a guy by the name of Blaise Pascal. He's a 17th century French mathematician, physicist, physicist, inventor, philosopher, writer, theologian. He's got more, had more going on than I do. He said this, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known unto us by Jesus. So, you know, that's, that's why people go searching for, if, they, if they're not born again, they, they search through other religions. There's a heart hunger. And so if you realize this ahead of time, you won't try to just stuff all kind of things in there. You won't just kind of throw all kind of things in there. It's like a, it's like a square peg trying to go into a round hole. It's not going to work. So you realize, God, you're the only one that can satisfy me. That's why as, an, as early, you know, as a, as a child, as, as kids, as, as youth, seek God early. You know, thank God that I was, I thank God that I was born again. I thank God when people are born again, even if they're 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. But you have an advantage if you seek God early in life and put him first. Hallelujah. So we fill that God-shaped vacuum with him by reading his word and by prayer. And that's why the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And so can anyone conquer these three appetites and yield to the Spirit without giving themselves to prayer and without fasting? No. It's like Bishop Oyadepo, he says this, if you're not prayerful, you'll be sinful. If you're not prayerful, you'll be sinful. I know uh, one church I was in, my pastor, he was a rough guy from Chicago, and he got born again, and he was mad because they didn't have church on Friday and Saturday night. He said, that's my sin nights. <laughs> he said, I need something going on. I need something to keep me occupied. <laughs> and so if you're not prayerful see as you begin to pray you won't be off doing the wrong things so continually conquer the three carnal appetites that we talked about the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes the pride of life and then feed the spiritual appetite and then as you do that you yield to God's presence and I've said this before but if you concentrate, if you concentrate on that fourth one more than anything, you'll help take care of those first three. If you're feeding your spirit, if you're feeding your spirit, if you're if you're praying, if you're fasting, if you're crying out to God, then you're less likely to be involved in any of those other three things. Can you say amen? And so I want to ask you this. What do you believe in God for this year? Maybe you've never believed God for anything. And you just said, well, we'll just see when we get there. But I want you to just do that this week. Write down what you're believing God for. Because God wants to do a work in every person. And how many know, many times there's a stretching. God wants to stretch us. Remember the... In the Old Testament, he, the, uh, the man of God prayed. He said, and we, we had a book, the prayer of Jabez. Enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. But you know, you're not going to, God's not going to enlarge you without you doing something. God's not going to enlarge you without you praying, without you giving yourself to, to prayer. And that includes prayer and fasting. And so, all that we're talking about today comes in this word, consecration. Consecrating yourself to the will of God this year. Lord, have your way in my life. Do what you want to do. And as you do that, write a list out. Lord, I'm believing you for this. I'm believing you to, maybe it's unsaved family members. 
Maybe it's the dream that God's put in your heart that you want to see. Maybe it's the advancement in your career. Maybe it's a, a disease that's been in ravaging your body. And so I've, I've, I've got a list I've got started here, but I need to put a lot more. As a church, that we would be propelled forth. That the name of the river church, not, not for the name of the river, but that our influence would go forth. That we would have finances unhindered. You know, all that's the will of God. I'm reminded, I, I heard a, a story about a man of God. He was, he was um, in his pulpit or in his, in his church. He said that uh, one of this ministers had been preaching his church. He said he was a great man. He loved the guy. And he said, but just it was hard preaching in that church. And he said that, um, he said he got tired of that. He said every word would bounce back and hit him in the face. So the pre, you know, the pastor, he has the, the oversight there. So he said, he said, I'm going to fast and pray for seven days. And he did. He said that on the seventh day, he was praying. He's laying right there on the uh, platform and just had his head, hands behind his head, just kind of casually praying. When all of a sudden he had discerning of spirits. Now, discerning of spirits is not what some people think. Well, you know, I have the gift of discernment. And so then they just, you know, they discern everyone's faults. Discerning of spirits is when you're looking into the spirit realm, you're hearing and seeing into that realm. How many know that's not a realm that we're, we see with our own physical eyes unless God opens your eyes? Angels, demons, things like that. And so... He said, as he was laying there, God opened his eyes and he saw this big spirit right above where the pulpit was. Well, see, that's where the problem was in the preaching. The problem was, he said, every word would just come back and hit him like a rubber ball. This big spirit, the, he said, looked like a baboon was up there. He said, you're going to have to come down from there. And he said, that spirit just looked at him like, I sure don't want to, but if you tell me to, then I will. He said he, he jumped down, jumped, hit the pulpit and crawled down and went out. He said, you're going to have to go in Jesus' name. He said he walked out. He opened the door. He said, I know he was a spirit. He could walk through it. He said, but I opened the door for him. Amen. He said, you're going to have to go. He said he got on the churchyard. He just turned back, just longingly, just looked at him like, please don't make me go. Just like a little, I think of like a little child can be. Please don't let me, don't make me go. He said, you go. He said he walked all the way to the end of the churchyard. And he looked around again. He said, he said, go and don't ever come back and, and don't ever come back on these premises. He said that spirit walked down the street, walked down another block, crossed the street and went into a bar. And the next night it burned down to the ground. <laughs> and so that's what was dealing, he was dealing with in his church and that, that, that shows you I mean I'm going to just meddle a little bit for a second why does God tell us not to go into certain places yeah it's not good for you but it's because of the spirits that's in a place and, and when you fellowship with certain things you begin to fellowship with those spirits Paul said, I would not that you would fellowship with demons. So anyway, I said all that to say this. When you fast and pray, you already have authority over the enemy. We know that. But it gives you access. You, you, you tap into something greater. If he would have never fasted and prayed, I doubt he would have ever seen that. But he took the time and he dealt with that and he never had any more problems with that. So I just want to encourage you. This week... Be specific. Write down, I don't care if it's just one thing. I'm believing for one thing this week. Then you write that down and you believe God with us. Amen? We'll believe with you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands.
Father, we just thank you for your presence today. Lord, as we dedicate this year, Lord, we thank you that this will be the best year we've ever had. As we dedicate it to you, we consecrate it to you. And Lord, even as we share these things, we pray, Lord, that, that each person will see that fasting doesn't make us to be anything greater than anyone else. It doesn't make us superior to anyone else. Nor does it make anyone inferior that doesn't. But Lord, we just thank you that it's just a time to separate ourselves. And Lord, we just thank you for supernatural things upon every head, every family in this place. Lord, I pray for supernatural direction this year. Supernatural direction, supernatural leading, supernatural guidance, supernatural favor. Lord, that, that what we could not do in the natural that you will do supernaturally as we fast, as we pray, as we intercede, as we give thanks, as we lay our all on the altar. And we thank you for it, Lord. We lay our all on the altar, even now. Hallelujah. With every head bowed, every eye closed, right before we go, if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Will, you've been talking about consecration and, and dedication to the Lord. I don't even know Jesus is my Lord and Savior, but I want to know him today, on this first day. What an awesome way to start the year, to know Jesus is our Lord and Savior. So if that's you, with no one looking around, you say, I don't know for sure if I died right now, if I would go to heaven, but I want to make sure, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, just raise your hand. We want to pray with you, and we want to pray for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord is so good to us. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Write the vision. Make it plain. So he may run that reads it. You know, you ever, you ever looked at someone's vision statement and it's like 12 pages? You know, you, you should just have something that's like this. You can look at it real quick. Oh, that's who you are. That's what you're doing. Be specific. You know, and I, I'll, let me say this real quick. I said this, I think, last week or last Wednesday. As you pray, and this, this is all throughout your life. As you pray, God will give you specific things to implement. And don't go crazy all about the vision, but focus and spend all your time on what God says to put in place. We could call it uh, put systems into place. You know, you can always say, well, I'm getting out of debt. I'm getting out of debt. Okay, what systems are you going to put in place to get out of debt? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Okay, that's a good vision to have. I'm going to lose 20 pounds this, you know, this year. Or if you're fasting this month. <laughs> in two weeks. And, um, but that's good and all. But what systems are you putting in place? It's kind of like this. If you're working out, don't go focusing on your body. Focus on your lifestyle. Because what happens, we, we want to weigh ourselves 12 times a day, go stand in front of the mirror, but don't focus on that. That's the wrong focus. Focus on your lifestyle, eating and exercising. Don't focus on just what your vision is. Focus on, on the specifics that God says to implement that. I want to be closer to God this year. Okay, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to spend five minutes in the morning praying. Okay, that's a good start. I'm going to spend five minutes praying in other tongues. I'm going to spend five minutes praising worship. 
That may not seem like much, but if you hadn't been doing anything, then that's really good. So just begin finding something like that. And I can guarantee as you start doing that, then you can increase it to 10 minutes and you increase it to 20 minutes. And what happens is you get so excited about it and you're like, oh man, it's like one great man of God said, I have so much to do that I must begin my day with four hours in prayer. See, a lot of people, when they think, man, I've got so much to do, I don't have time to pray. He said, I have so much to do that I've, I must spend my first four hours in prayer. Amen. Don't, don't, don't try to start with four hours. Just start with four minutes, and you'll be all right. <laughs> That's good. You know, no doubt, even Jesus, when he prayed, the Bible says that he continued in prayer, and he did this more than once, continued in prayer all night long. And maybe, you know, he, he began just spending time with the Father. Next thing you know, the sun's coming up. Now, it didn't say he was fasting, but let me, let me ask you this. Like for some long period of time, but the Bible says as he prayed, what was the very next thing it said? And he chose his 12 disciples. So no doubt that when he was praying all night long, the Father spoke to him, which one? This one and not that one. I mean, don't you think that's pretty important? Who you would have for your disciples. He got all that during a time of prayer. So I just want to encourage you this week just to press in. I mean, every, every day of your life. But <laughs> this week, press in. And just say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. And watch what the Lord does. And we'll, we'll get to hear some testimonies next week. Amen. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I know we do this every once in a while, but just um, grab the hand of your neighbor and let's pray one for another, as the Bible says. Pray one for another that you may be healed. So just begin to, to out loud pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for our brother and sister. Lord, we just thank you right now for touching them. Lord, that you would touch them through our hands. And Lord, that you would bless them, that you would strengthen them even now. Lord, I pray for wisdom this year for them. I pray for strength like never before. I pray for healing in their body. I pray for soundness. I pray for wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you would give them understanding and visions and dreams in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that, that Lord, their spiritual life would go to another level, that their walk with you would go to another place. Lord, that every desire of their heart would be manifest and be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we delight in you, you, you give us the desires of our heart. We thank you for it. We bless you. And we give you honor. We give you glory in advance in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great week this week. And uh, we want to hear some more testimonies from, from every person. And don't forget, we have service here on Wednesday night. We look forward to seeing you then. Amen.